Take one. <laughs> <laughs> so to whoever's listening, <laughs> this is our first recording. My name is Christian Weatherford. And my name is Ellen Weatherford. And we have recently been married <laughs> over a month now. We just got back from our honeymoon about a, about a week ago. And it was great. Yeah. Uh, so we, we listened to a lot of podcasts, so we figured, hey, let's try our hand at a podcast. So, um, you know, Ellen came up with a great idea. We'll do a podcast about animals. Um, so uh, we, we're both pretty passionate about animals. Uh, Ellen, even more so than I. I don't know if that's true. No, it's true. It's <laughs> it okay. It is so true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're, we're kind of trying out a new format. So maybe, uh, you know, we'll each talk about an animal, talk about how... We rate that animal in different categories. It's an animal review. Ah, We're yeah. reviewing them. An animal review. Uh, <laughs> not not an animal matchup. It's not fight night yet. <laughs> not yet. We'll get there. That's going to be the spinoff. <laughs> not right. fight night, because if this was fight night, my animal would wreck your animal. Yeah, but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things wreck my animal. All right. <laughs> so, Ellen, how about we uh, talk about your animal first? All right. My first animal that I'm bringing to the table is the American alligator. Uh, the species is called Alligator Mississippiensis. That's their official scientific name. We're very familiar with this animal because we live in Florida. Mm, very true. And they're everywhere. <laughs> so if you don't live in Florida and you're not as intimately familiar with the American alligator... Well, not just Florida. They, they, they kind of live all over the southeastern United States. They oh, live yeah. in Louisiana, Mississippi, pretty much anywhere in the southeast that has these uh, excellent swamplands. Oh, yeah. But, you know, of course, iconic for Florida. They're very iconic for Florida. Yeah, if, if you're not from Florida, you might not know that the University of Florida's mascot is the Gators. I don't, I don't do Maybe. sports. I don't know how <laughs> widely known that is. So the American alligator, um, typically they're pretty big. Their adult size is 10 to 15 feet, but they do grow continually throughout their life. They never stop growing. So the older an American alligator is, the bigger it is. So in the wild, their lifespan is typically about 35 to 50 years. So these bad boys can get pretty huge. They're, they're in the taxonomic order of crocodilia. They're related to, they're part of the crocodilian family. Um, there's another type of alligator that's called the Chinese alligator. These uh, split off from a lineage that had crossed the Bering Strait. That was between two and a half and 11.7 million years ago. So that's the other type of Chinese, of, of alligator is the Chinese alligator. But um, I'm talking about the American alligator, so this is different. Okay. So something quick to note that's pretty neat about crocodilians as the whole the whole family is that they're more closely related to birds and dinosaurs than they are to other reptiles. Hmm. So they they look like other reptiles, yeah, like they they look like giant lizards. But yeah, they, I was about to say because if, if anyone had asked you, hey, describe an alligator, you would say <laughs> it's a very uh, big large lizard. armored lizard, big with lizard, big teeth, right? yeah, big spiky lizard, yeah. Very intimidating looking lizard, but they're really not. So the the common ancestor between crocodilians and birds uh, split off before the rest of the reptilian ancestors did. So that's pretty interesting. They share more recent common ancestors, so they're more closely related to our our 
bird friends and the closest thing that we have right now to living dinosaurs, which if you've ever seen one in the wild, it really does look like you're just looking at a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. It's it's (laughs) kind of terrifying. So I guess to introduce sort of the rating system that I'll be using, I'm going to break it down into three categories. So I've got effectiveness, which... I'm defining as how good the animal is at doing the thing it's trying to do, whatever that thing is. This is a predator animal, so how well it catches its prey, how effectively it kills its prey, pretty much just how well it does its thing. And then after effectiveness, I'm going to talk about ingenuity, which is going to be kind of its creativeness, sort of (laughs) its uniqueness, how uniquely it has evolved to handle the problems that it faces and just kind of how interesting it is. I can't wait to hear about what an alligator considers to be a problem. I have some doozies (laughs) for you. It's pretty good. And then the last category, which to me is the most important is of course, aesthetics, which is purely my opinion. So buckle up for that one. Oh, okay. But, um, so I'll start with effectiveness. I, oh, and I, I didn't mention this, but I'll be rating them out of 10. Ah. Each category is out of 10. Classic. So for the American alligator, I gave it two different effectiveness ratings. I gave it one rating for in the water and one for on (laughs) land because they live mostly in the water, but they do come on land, um, mostly just to kind of bask and get warm and stuff. Um, and like lay their eggs and things like that, but they do chill out on land a little bit. So I gave them two effectiveness ratings in the water. I gave them a nine out of 10 because they know what they're doing. Yeah. This species is over 150 million years old. (laughs) There was a, a fossil, uh, skull found in Marion County, Florida that was indistinguishable from the modern American alligator. And that fossil was over 8 million years old. Whoa. So the the American alligator, as we currently know it, has been in Florida for over 8 million years. So this is an extremely old animal. And, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> they've clearly been doing what they've been doing for a really long time. And it seems to have been working out for them great so far. You know, that that just makes me think about the, the first people that came to this area what 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 must have been their first reaction i cannot believe they stuck around (laughs) i cannot believe they looked in the water saw this looking back at them and were like this is fine this is fine (laughs) now if i if i had been like an early settler and i had moved into this area and looked and saw a giant dinosaur looking back at me i would have been like you know what this is occupied we're out of here so um yeah they've been doing great So the alligator has an extremely strong bite, obviously. Their bite is meant to be able to power through turtle shell or mammal bones. It's a very impressive bite. Most most people around here know that they have a very strong biting strength, but not a strong opening strength. Mm -hmm. So opening their jaw isn't very strong. It's kind of a common thing where they tell kids, like, you can hold its mouth shut with one hand. Um, at some of the alligator shows, they'll show off where they hold an alligator's mouth shut with one hand because they don't have a strong opening jaw muscle. Right, right. But they're extremely strong. But the way that their jaw is made, they can't actually chew or rip with their teeth. 
they can't really, they don't have that kind of motion capability with their muscles. So their strategy is to just grip the prey and dig in with the teeth, grab it, grab hold of it, and drag it into the water. So once it's in the water, then they can really use all their muscles to like thrash it around, you know, rip it that way, drown it if they want, you know, they, they can, they can kill it that way, but they can't actually chew or rip with their teeth. Um, which is something I didn't know before looking up. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. But when you watch them eat, that's they, they don't chew. They throw their food up in the air and kind of like slide it down their mouth. Yeah, they just swallow however big of a chunk they can. Yeah, right? they just swallow it, right? So mm-hmm. I that that was something but it made sense once I found that out that they, they're really they're not chewing it. They're just sliding it down their mouth. But they do a really good job of it. <laughs> they So something that is pretty cool is something that contributed to me giving them a 9 out of 10 for effectiveness is that since they're cold-blooded, they conserve energy very, very well. Uh, typically, a, a wild alligator usually will only eat about once a week, which is not 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 very often. They, they store a bunch of fat in their tails, if you've ever seen one with like a really fat, like really chunky tail that's a fat deposit at the base of their tail in when they have to they can burn that fat and they can survive for up to two years without eating you you know that that kind of makes sense because uh here in the the good old florida we have a cuisine called alligator tail yeah gator tail so that must be why the fatty part right (laughs) because usually when you think of like the delicious part of an animal it's the fatty part so the the fat the tail being where they store their fat makes sense um if you've never had gator tail it's fine it's just fine. Like it's it's like a gimmicky chicken, really. I don't think it. I would rather have chicken. I've had gator tail, and it's just it's a gimmicky thing. It's one of those novelties where you can be like, oh yeah, I eat gator, but like it it t- it tastes okay. Do you like gator? Tail? I, I love gator tail. Do you like um, love gator tail, or are you well, like? Well, I mean, I I have a f- have a thing with fried food where at a certain point it all kind of tastes the same. <laughs> But really, you know, the the fried food is more of a boat for ranch dressing. That's, that's true. Is does so, it pair well with ranch dressing? From my memory, it does. At yeah. Least. <laughs> um, I'd rather have chicken, but that's just me. Maybe it's just my seafood thing. I don't like seafood, uh, that's so true. That's true. I don't love gator. But it's, it's like fine. Half but you, seafood. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't eat gator. It's just I don't recommend it. But anyway, so they can store, they can burn that fat that's in their tails to survive for up to two years without eating, which I thought was really cool. I thought that contributed to their effectiveness because they don't have to eat as much as their warm-blooded counterparts, you know, like they, they, they just don't have to eat as much. I think the fuel efficiency contributes to their effectiveness score. Also, this is pretty interesting. The alligator can survive much colder temperatures than crocodiles. Crocodiles need warmer temperatures. Alligators can enter a state of brumation, which is kind of like hibernation. It's a dormancy with uh, where they, they minimize their metabolic activity and can kind of just slow everything in their body down um, so that they can survive even uh, when the water around them is freezing. So they can actually survive in, in freezing water, which crocodiles cannot do. Hmm. So um, I gave them a, a little bit of bonus for durability. They're, they're pretty tough. Makes sense. 
So that's pretty much why I gave them a 9 out of 10 for water because they're extremely effective and they've been doing this for a long time and they're pretty good at it. I did give them for land effectiveness, I gave them a 4 out of 10 because they kind of suck on <laughs> land. They kind of suck really bad. So they have these stubby legs. <laughs> They have really stubby legs. Um, they're very slow on land. They, like I said, they can't chew. So their best bet, if they if they bite you, is to drag you to the nearest water and try to get you there. But other than that, there's not a whole lot they can do. So <laughs> fight me, but, yeah, but in the water. <laughs> yeah, that's really their best bet. Um, so something that a lot of people tell. I guess probably like kids in Florida, uh, there's this folksy sort of advice that if a gator is chasing you, you should run in a zigzag. Have you, have you heard that? No. You haven't heard that? No. Uh, we always heard that running in a zigzag pattern because there's this sort of like folk, folksy idea that an, a gator cannot run in a zigzag huh. and that you'll lose them because they won't zigzag to chase you. That's... True in a way, because... Uh, oh, I'll, I'll play a fun game with you. How fast do you think an alligator can run on land? Top speed. Um, Probably jogging speed, if I had to guess. That's not a number. Yeah, I know. Give me a number. Uh, I'm going to say... 10 miles an hour. You were so close. <laughs> 11 miles per uh, hour is the top speed of, a, of an alligator. Nice. So... While it's true that, like, you would probably outrun a gator if you were running in a zigzag, you could outrun it anyway. Yeah, you don't right. have to zigzag. You can easily lose a gator. You don't have to zigzag. <laughs> Just run. I promise you can outrun this gator. Like, also, a gator's not likely to chase you. Yeah, if if it's kind of lunging at you on land, it's trying to get you to go away, probably, right? Yeah, like, maybe you got a little too close to... Maybe it's like a mama and you got too close to her eggs. And, like, yeah, a gator's probably not going to chase you. So they very, very, very rarely run on land. Mm -hmm. um, and when they do, it's neither very fast nor very far. Yeah, they'll probably only chase you for, like, a couple feet. They're, they're not really about it. Well, well kind of the, the double edge to their reptile metabolism, right, is that something like that takes up a huge amount of energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't like to do that at all. Yeah. So, um, especially in the colder months, they're not going anywhere. So, yeah, they're, that's why I gave them a 4 out of 10 for effectiveness on land, because they suck. <laughs> so, anyway, that's, that's... But still a 9 out of 10 for effectiveness in water, because they know what they're doing, and I would not step to a gator in the water. Um, we recently saw a gator in the in the wild in the water recently when we were in Osceola State Forest. We <laughs> saw him uh, chilling in the water, and he didn't bother us any. And I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> um, I mean, if, if the guy hadn't told us it was out there, we probably would have never known. Yeah, the guy that was showing us around shone his flashlight in the water, and we could see his eyes looking back at us. That was yeah, pretty cool. Just chilling. Yeah, he he left us alone though, but we also left him alone, so it was fine. <laughs> So for ingenuity, I at first didn't think I was going to give them a very high score on this, but I ended up because they're, they're just a gator. They just lay there. They don't really do much. But I gave them a 7 out of 10 for ingenuity, which was higher than I thought I was going to give them. But I learned some interesting things about gators. They're actually pretty smart for reptiles. They communicate with each other vocally. They're one of the only 
reptiles that communicates vocally with each other. They use bellowing sounds, they roar, they hiss at each other. Um, oh, so romantic. It is a mating thing. Um, so oh. actually, specifically, there is this thing that male alligators do, which is they vocalize to each other at extremely low frequencies. So it's too low for us to hear. You won't hear this. But you can tell that they're doing this because the drops of water on their back will oh, jump yeah. in the water. If you've, I think we've seen them doing this before um, at the alligator farm yeah, in St. Augustine. And if not, they're definitely on documentaries and whatnot because it's... It's almost like the, the water is boiling. Right? Yeah, that's called the water dance. So if you hear people talk about the water dance, that's what it's it's this low frequency vocalization that male alligators do. So reading about this, I sought out this story. It is a 2013 story in the Tampa Bay Times. It is about this tuba player who brings his tuba out and plays a B flat two octaves below middle C. It is at, it is 57 hertz. Mm -hmm. And playing this note, this very, very low pitched note with a tuba actually gets the alligators to respond. <laughs> <laughs> so like the lower it is, the better, but it seemed to be this, this note, this B flat that they responded to. And it actually got the, the male alligators to water dance, like do the water dance. Um, oh, so, so it was a competitive thing. Not really like, like, Oh yeah, that puts me in the mood. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, been. But so the reason I sought out that story, because it was in the back of my mind that I was thinking I remembered something about alligators responding to a certain pitch, because I have a personal story. Oh. <laughs> my aunt lives on a very large property that is up against a pond on a golf course. So there's a big pond out there that's surrounded by trees. So she actually pretty often gets gators back there. She, oh. she gets gators um, in the little pond. She gets gators in her backyard. She gets all sorts of wildlife, but sometimes she um, will tell me about the gators that she sees back there. So we were having some sort of family get together. The whole family was sitting around and someone brought up this story about the alligators responding to this B flat note. And so we all thought that was so charming and so interesting. And my aunt decided that we should try to replicate it <laughs> and try to, to try to sing to the gators in her backyard. <laughs> so so it's, it's probably worth noting that you have quite a bit of musical talent in your family. Oh yeah. We have a very musical family. Um, so of course she, opened up her grand piano and gave us all a B flat. And this was probably six or seven of us, all grown women. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we tune ourselves to this B flat and we're all humming a B flat. And we went outside and we went out into her yard and walked up to the pond and all just kind of hummed a B flat at the pond in her yard, <laughs> trying to summon gators, um, which was not a great idea this because is the what most were we? Because <laughs> it's like, what were we gonna do if a gator like responded to us? We didn't know what to do with it. If we've, we we've completed dinner, now let us go to the back and summon some alligators. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know why we did that, but it was, you know, 
as I remember, the experiment failed because I don't think we got any gator action. But well, I mean, if if you guys could hit a B flat two octaves b- below middle C, that would have been pretty impressive. But that also would have been a much different story. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, we were. It was just like a random. We didn't know like that it had to be like fifty seven hertz. And oh, we didn't, I see. We I didn't see. know it was like the low frequency that they liked. We thought it was like the B flat note was oh, what they liked. So, um, yeah, nothing happened. We didn't see any gators, but thinking back on it, my reflection on it, I was thinking about, cause this was at a golf course, right? Right. It was pretty likely that some random golfers drove by like that little golf cart path <laughs> and they looked over and they see seven grown women singing a beef, like all singing a B flat in monotone at a <laughs> pond. They probably thought we were doing witchcraft. Yeah. They probably thought it was some sort of weird, like spell that we were casting. <laughs> Y'all are coven. <laughs> it was our, it was our gator coven. So that was just a fun little story that I remembered while doing this research. That I don't think I ever told you about that. The time we tried to summon gators in my aunt's backyard. So that was pretty neat that gators talk to each other. They have vocalizations. Um, Something else that they do that I think I knew about, but I'm not sure. They make alligator holes. I don't know if you've ever seen an alligator hole. But they will use their feet and their snout to dig a hole. This is in like marshland, in like swampy marshland. They'll use their feet and their snouts to dig a hole in the ground. And then when it's really rainy, it's extremely rainy here. It's basically a rainforest during the summertime. Um, When it's really rainy, the rain will collect in that hole. And then during the dry season, that water will stay collected in their little hole that they've dug for themselves. They basically make themselves a little pond. And then they use that pond as a little oasis during like the drier seasons where they can like stay in their little, their little watering hole. It protects them from the extreme weather. It protects them from the sun. But what they also use it for is to lure in other animals looking for water. So other animals will come up to their little pond that they've made seeking refuge and looking for water and shelter. And when they come come up to get the water, that's when the gator gets them. Huh. Yeah. Something else that I thought was really interesting, this is a pretty recent observation that these um, researchers at UT Knoxville, this this was in um, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Some American alligators in Louisiana were observed putting small sticks on their heads. And like, so they would like put their head under the water and let just the top of the head stick out with a bunch of sticks on it to make it look like a bird's nest. Oh no. So a bird would fly over trying to gather materials to build its nest. The bird comes up to pick a stick and then the gator pops up and gets them. Ain't that just the way. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was really interesting that the, the, Gator is using these sticks not only as camouflage, but as bait. Well, that's spooky. Yeah, the, the gator was actually luring in animals. But so this is a this is a quote from Gordon Berghart, um, uh, an ethologist and comparative psychologist specializing in reptiles at UT Knoxville. He says, what's really remarkable is that they are not only using lures, but they are timing it to just when the birds they want to capture are nesting and looking for sticks to use. Hmm. They are making some assessment of the birds themselves. 
So they noted this behavior was happening during the birds, like nesting season. Mm -hmm. So the gators actually knew when the birds were looking for sticks and they would camouflage themselves and, and lure the birds in with sticks. So definitely smarter than I thought a gator would be. Yeah, definitely. Um, like that's the only recorded instance of a reptile using tools. Makes sense. Yeah. Huh. You don't usually think of reptiles as using tools. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, gators have figured it out. So they're coming for us next. <laughs> we just thank your lucky stars. They don't have thumbs yet. So that's why I gave them a 7 out of 10 for ingenuity. I mean, they're no dolphins or chimpanzees or whatever, but they're pretty smart for a reptile. Aesthetics, pretty straightforward. I gave them an 8 out of 10. Because they are dinosaurs covered in spikes. And they have a cool looking face. And yeah. I like it. I only gave them an 8 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 because they have goofy, weird-looking hands. <laughs> so, <laughs> 8 out of 10. So, with a, a 9 out of 10 for effectiveness, I'm using the water score for effectiveness because they spend most of their time in the water anyway. So, with a 9 out of 10 for effectiveness, a 7 out of 10 for ingenuity, and an 8 out of 10 for aesthetics, overall, I gave the American Alligator an 8 out of 10. Oh, excellent. <laughs> oh, um, some some final little facts about the American alligator. They are of least concern in conservation status. They are fine. They are not even a little bit endangered. <laughs> they are totally fine. They actually used to be endangered right. a long time ago, right. but um, they were they were heavily, heavily, heavily hunted. But due to the success of conservation efforts, they're fine now. Oh. So they're they're totally doing great. American alligators have been recorded preying on Florida panthers, American black bears, and Burmese pythons. Huh. They are the only known animal that has been recorded preying on those animals. Well, that, that's especially important for that last one, right? Because that is an invasive species. Yeah, it's actually a really big problem in southern parts of Florida that Burmese pythons and, and ball pythons and other types of Large pythons that aren't supposed to be there um, have sort of taken hold in that area. So when you hear about hunters doing python, like snake hunts and stuff like that, where they're actually incentivizing people to go out and kill uh, Burmese pythons and ball pythons and stuff because... They've come in from the pet trade. People will buy these pets. They'll buy snakes when they're very small and then set them loose. And then the snake grows to like 10 feet long. So <laughs> it, Don't like that thing. Anymore. No, that's a very bad thing. But gators will eat them. So well, clearly I, the gators have it under control. I think I've seen stories where the reverse has happened too. I'm sure it has happened. Yeah. They, I mean, place your bets, folks. Yeah. I mean, full-grown <laughs> python versus gator. <laughs> that's the next Hollywood blockbuster. <laughs> You remember when we said fight night? Oh, yeah. That's the next pairing. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, that's that's all I've got on the American Alligator. You know, when I, when I picked the American Alligator, I thought it was going to be pretty straightforward because I have only ever seen them just kind of chilling. There's no shortage of them here, so we see them all the time, but they're very docile looking and <laughs> don't really do much. So there was a lot more to them than I expected there to be. So I'm really glad I got a chance to kind of learn more about them. Oh, that's awesome. They're really interesting. That's the American alligator. Oh, cool. All right. Now it's my turn to talk about my animal for this episode. Uh, yeah. Episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What animal did you pick for me today? So keeping in theme with iconic Florida animals, I chose the majestic sea cow, <laughs> also known as the manatee. That's such a rude name for no. our friends, the manatee. I, I hold cows in high respect. That's, so. Okay. That's a good point. <laughs> cows are also great. 
Um, so I'm thinking maybe folks that live in this part of the country maybe have more exposure to manatees than others might. Uh, so I thought it'd be kind of neat to talk about them and what they're all about. So I first cannot one, wait. I love manatees. <laughs> they're great. So there are three species of manatees. There is the West African manatee, the Amazonian manatee, and the one we'll be talking about is the West Indian manatee, and specifically a subspecies of that one, which is called the Florida manatee. Oh, we have our own manatee. Yes. Um, so for those that maybe aren't familiar with what manatees look like, uh, they are large aquatic mammals. They have a tail, a lot like a whale's, except it's not fluked. Imagine uh, a single paddle. Imagine their... a frying pan. Yeah. And they have two flippers. A squishy nose. <laughs> it's it's like... so cute, and it's covered in whiskers. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and, oh, they're, they're, they're so chubby. It, it's, it's pretty great. They're <laughs> big old chunks. <laughs> Let's talk about size, though, because that's what's really most impressive, I think. Absolute units. <laughs> so for an adult manatee, they weigh between 880 and 1,210 pounds. That's and, so many. Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, for those more used to the metric, that is 400 to 550 kilograms. It's meaningless to me, but... <laughs> it's useful to someone, I'm sure. <laughs> Most of the world. But anyway, the length of these bad boys between 9.2 and 9.8 feet, which is 2.8 to 3 meters. And that, this is their average size. They can get bigger than that, too. Yeah, that's a big one. They're biggins. <laughs> Actually, you know, while we were on the uh, the Joko cruise, we were watching a... Or I was watching. I think you were asleep. But <laughs> we were, I was watching on the TV this little thing about Puerto Rico, and they had a, a hospital of sorts for manatees. Aww. And they had to treat this manatee by... Uh, it was in a tank of sorts, and mm -hmm. they had to drain it. So this t this manatee was just laying there in the middle of this drained tank. Oh. And they had to hold it down. You you wouldn't think that these things could move a lot outside of water, but surprisingly enough, it took like 10 wow. people to keep that thing from moving. Oh, jeez. And then here's what's strange, though. To get it to breathe, they had to simulate the sensation of exiting the water. Because normally, you know, they're they're oh. like any other aquatic animal, right? So that they surface and breathe and go underwater for a long time. Yeah. So to get it to take a breath, they would have to pour water over its head to simulate they that sensation. They had to waterboard this manatee? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But it, <laughs> I think specifically it had a cyst of some sort and they had to drain it and stuff. So, so there was that, too. But, oh, my God. This poor baby. But I thought it was interesting because, like, they were legitimately concerned. They, they were keeping track of how often this manatee was taking a breath. They were like, oh, it's been a while and since she's last taken a breath. Better pour some water on her face oh my god and sure enough like that <laughs> sensation you could see its big nostrils flare open as oh it takes gosh. a breath and they're like yay they were all crazy. applauding and stuff and then of course when they were done with the with what they were doing uh that you know they, they they left it alone and filled the tank back up and that jeez aquatic uh, mammal life yeah yeah so where this particular kind of manatee is found is the caribbean sea in the gulf of mexico uh specifically it can be found in fresh and salt water, which yeah. is kind of special to the manatees. The, the Florida manatee is, is, is well known for doing that. Typically, they're found in rivers or brackish waters where rivers in the ocean meet. But they have a very tight window of t 
temperature tolerance. Really? So here's something interesting. So in the colder months, you know, it, it does get a little cold in Florida. But in those colder months, what they'll do is they'll travel to natural spring-fed like rivers and other water sources that are warmed by that natural spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the times you'll see like social media posts or news reports about parts of Florida that have just a huge amount of manatees just stuffed in there. And that's usually during the winter months because that's what they're there for. Here's a little interesting tidbit I came across, though. They, they don't only just do that with natural warmed waters. They've also been known to do this with waters that are near power plants. Oh, no. <laughs> so that in of itself is not bad because um, they're just using the water as a coolant. It just so sounds so dangerous. It, it's potentially, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I didn't come across any too big of a disaster anyway. Sure. So what I thought was interesting is that they they would find these artificially warmed waters and they would go there instead. Right. But then they started having problems where if one of these power plants shut down, oh. the manatees would still come to... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Well, it's so cold, I can't wait to... Why do we come here? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so there's actually... I, I saw a little... little tidbits where people identified this problem and would do something that they wouldn't bring the the power plant back on per se, but they would still do something that would keep warming the waters in that area. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So I thought that was interesting. That Um, is interesting. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about uh, taxonomy. Yeah, buddy. Manatees belong to the order Sirenia. The members of that are the manatees and the dugongs. Uh, so dugongs are found in the eastern hemisphere. Not the Pokemon. Mm, correct. Which is strange because like the Pokemon is more seal-like. In yeah, the Pokemon yeah. kind of looks like a... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, by the way, the dugong is very similar to, to, the, uh, to the manatee. A little couple differences, though. Their, their nose looks a little different, and mm-hmm. I think they have little nub claws on their fins. Don't they have tail flukes? They do. So they they, their tail, tail is a fluke instead yeah. of a paddle. Yeah. So those all comprise the Sirenia order. Most notable living relatives. So one you could probably guess is the elephant, because mm-hmm. uh, there's some characteristics there. But here's one that I did not see coming, and that is the hyrax. Oh, the little, um, the little brown furry. Yeah, it, little. It's like a deer. It's it's, it's like it a deer. Kind of like a deer, but it, I guess it's one of the closest living relatives that order interesting those are the little dudes on the rocks yeah, at the zoo. yeah okay yeah. all right we've yeah. seen those little guys these are tiny they are they're tiny they are. so it's a bit of a wild card there <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> but I, but I think if any, anyone that sees a manatee would, uh, would i think would pretty easily say that you know I, I can see some characteristics with an elephant right yeah but the hyrax is definitely yeah. a that's a crazy one right interesting right. yeah um, so I use the same scaling method that you did, or the, the rating system. Thank you. <laughs> um, effectiveness, uh, purely in water. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. That's um, not bad. That's pretty good. So its biggest trait, I think, is that a fully grown manatee doesn't really need to worry about predation. That's true. That's true. <laughs> there aren't many things that would mess with a full-grown manatee. I mean, I'm sure larger sharks might, but again, that's only when they're in the more open waters, which isn't 
all the time. Yeah. But other than that, no real predators to be worried about. Of That's course. just sheer size, yeah, though. Yeah, of like... course. Younger manatees, though, definitely, you know, they, they have some concerns there. Yeah. But even then, a young manatee is still... And, uh, and they typically travel in groups, right? Like, the, they, they typically all travel together, so it's not like a baby manatee is going to be, like, swimming around by well, itself. I, I think it's going to be at least with its mother. I, I didn't do any research into their grouping habits outside of how they kind of clump together during the cold months. I, I guess just what I'm envisioning is, like, a, a, every time I've seen manatees, they're always together that's true, in a that's group. True. I've never seen, like, a manatee. Oh, and that's probably a good time to talk about where we've seen manatees. So, obviously, you can see manatees in many... Uh, zoos and aquariums i think the closest one for us is the florida aquarium in tampa the jacksonville zoo has manatees do they we you don't remember they opened it last year we went specifically oh, oh, to go yes, see the yes, manatees yes. so i mean in jacksonville it's, it's not so much an exhibit as it is like a, a rehabilitation center yep. and the, if if they're in the right area you can see them but yeah we did not see the yeah, manatees when, yeah. we, when we went specifically to go see the manatees <laughs> the, we, we did not see them we knew we were that we knew that they were there we could, yeah they were them. there in our spirits, <laughs> but in uh, you know in in the Florida Aquarium, you know they have a full exhibit for fully grown manatees that you can see do their own thing. I think last time we were there was close to Halloween. This was Epcot. This oh, was not the Florida right. Aquarium. This was Epcot. I am mistaken. This was at Epcot and <laughs> Walt Disney World. At the aquarium we didn't know was there until we showed up. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a whole other story. But Oh, yeah. Also, if you've never been uh, to Epcot or you have been to Epcot and didn't know about the aquarium like us, we have been and we didn't know there's a huge aquarium in Epcot. <laughs> So we were there, and um, we saw the manatees there, yeah. and it was the cutest thing ever. So, uh, so while we were there, uh, you know, they were they had a jack o' lantern in their tank. <laughs> <laughs> so someone had taken a pumpkin and, of course, carved it out to look like a jack o' lantern. Then was inside the tank, and these two full grown manatees were sort of I say fighting, but. That's this probably... was the lowest stakes fight I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, so they, they were kind of do a keep away from each other when they finally got this pumpkin like in their flippers and they would munch on it and take terrible fight night. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible fight night. So, um, so yeah, you can see them in captivity a lot of times, uh, but where we live, it's not uncommon to see them in the St. John's River. Mm-hmm. So I know personally, I've seen them off the Green Cove Pier. Oh yeah, yeah. There's signs everywhere saying to be careful for the manatees. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, in areas where manatees are known to be, uh, there are rules for boats to follow. Um, like they can't go over a certain speed, that sort of thing. Speaking of boats. <laughs> the manatees only known natural yeah. predator. So so this is the main source of deduction for effectiveness. So boats have rules to be careful in manatee areas because of the big problem they have with boats. Almost every manatee you come across, it's very common to see scars on their backs, spiral-shaped scars. So that's from boat propellers, unfortunately. So You, you almost always will see a manatee with big old gashes on its yeah, back. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. I mean, so those, those are just like fishing boats that cause those kinds of injuries because they, they, they like to float near the surface. So, you know, there's the concussive force of the boat itself, but then also its propellers. Even with some bigger ships, like shipping and freight ships, for example, you know, those can cut one in half, basically. Oh, man. Yeah. So that, that's the main thing that they have to deal with. But uh, there are some folks out there that are aware of this problem. 
for example, NASA. So uh, back when the shuttle program was still going, uh, NASA Rest had... Peace, pour one out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, NASA had, had these boats that were designed to go pick up the parts of the shuttle that would fall off during takeoff. So like the, the rockets, the fuel tank, etc., they built their boats so that there wasn't like an exposed propeller hmm. specifically to avoid hurting manatees. Oh, yeah. that's so nice of them. Yeah. And specifically, this is the, the Florida location, of course, where they, they launch. Cause I, I suppose that area is prime manatee real estate. As oh well. yeah. We got them in spades here. Yeah. So some other effectiveness, they're powerful swimmers. They can swim very well. Uh, that big, that big tail is just provides a lot of thrust through the water. You know, thrust isn't a word I think of when I think of, like, a, a manatee swimming. <laughs> like, I'm not thinking of them going, like, jet skiing. I'm not thinking right. of them going fast. I guess... I guess These are some slow critters. But in my mind, I'm thinking of force. So maybe they're not fast, but it's a lot of mass that is Sure. Moving. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they're yeah. big boys. Yeah. Like, you're going to need a lot of power to move that thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they eat a lot of grass. Aquatic grass, that is. <laughs> oh, I assume. <laughs> They'll just crawl up on the land. Like they just need to, like, graze for a minute? <laughs> My lawn. Uh, <laughs> what am I going to do? Tell them no? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that. Because by the time you get out there to tell them to go away, they've already crawled yeah. back into the river and swam away with their big, powerful tails. <laughs> but no, uh, they're very good at eating grass. Certain areas like to encourage their presence to eat away grass from uh, access tunnels and that sort of thing in rivers. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so they're very good at that. Um, ingenuity. Uh, so kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, where they seek out warm water in the winters. I thought that was a very good a good attribute for them. Like also, a migratory sort yeah, of pattern. Yeah. They also have a prehensile upper lip. What? So they can grab things with their upper lip. Terrifying. That, I hate <laughs> that you said that. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean it, it would make sense if you saw a video of it. Actually, I saw a video today. Oh, of... you know what? That's that elephant-like attribute yes. coming through. Yes, That's exactly. like, like an elephant trunk. Yes. Oh, exactly. I hadn't put that together. So, um, so I mean, it, you know, their snout is much smaller than a trunk, of course, so it's much less fine i suppose yeah but uh i actually saw a video today of a man swimming in a river and a manatee came up to him just kind of being curious and the guy you know he, he was doing the right thing he wasn't he wasn't petting the manatee or anything he was just letting which the is manatee, what i would do yeah. i know it's not the right thing to do but it's what i would do so just letting the manatee do its thing and this manatee and this this fellow had a big bushy beard this manatee kind of comes up to him like right up to his face and starts grabbing his beard oh my hair god with his, with his upper lip because he thinks it's grass. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no, they bristled with his big old manatee whiskers. But, like, watching it, that manatee got some good tugs in. It, <laughs> it, couldn't, it couldn't have been comfortable. I mean, at least it didn't tear out the hair or anything. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, like, I think it quickly realized its mistake. Like, <laughs> what if you were going swimming and then you came out with a chunk of your beard missing? Yeah. Like, i got to shave my face now. Yeah. So for all of that, I gave it a 7 out of 10 for Ingenuity. That's pretty good. Aesthetics. I think manatees are super cute. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> That's true. They um, they are chonk, and <laughs> they have cute faces. They're good boys. <laughs> They're just so cute. They really do. If you, it, it, My favorite video 
is the video of the manatee swimming up to the glass on the aquarium and it runs into the glass yep. and you just see the whole thing kind of accordion in on itself. Yep, yep. Yep. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's actually one of my notes here for aesthetics. Like, uh, mega nose boops. <laughs> oh, these are such cuties. Yeah. They're extremely um, So cute. I gave it an 8 out of 10 for aesthetics. That's pretty the, good. The only thing, only negative I could think of was their thick elephant skin. That's yeah, about it. I mean. Well, a, a positive there, though. Uh, they often have algae gro- growing on their backs. That is also pretty cute. Yeah, so it's some, yeah, camouflage, I guess. Uh, yeah, camouflage, but also they just have a nice little coat. Yeah, yeah. So 8 out of 10 aesthetics. I, I guess that all averages out to about a 7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Yeah, some fun facts about manatees. Uh, currently, their conservation status is set to vulnerable. So obviously... Like we talked about earlier, manatees are sensitive to boat activity, also uh, global warming with the changing of the water temperatures. They're very sensitive to water temperature, like I was mentioning earlier. Uh, but also, uh, as some may have heard in the news in the past years, is things like red tide. Mm. So that is a specific kind of algae bloom, and it produces toxins in the water. So that can affect manatees pretty severely sometimes. I know that got really bad in the St. John's River recently. Yep, yep. So uh, Florida has some pretty, nowadays, at least common problems with algae blooms. Now, here's my fun fun facts about manatees. <laughs> You've given me very many fun facts so far, so I can't wait to hear <laughs> this, this fun one. This is the best one. Oh, boy. So, searching around, I found a quote from <laughs> Herman Melville's <laughs> Moby Dick. <laughs> Where he is talking about uh, manatees, but he refers them as lamatins, I think is how this is pronounced. Um, but let me let me just read this quote to you real quick. Hit me with this quote. I am aware that down to the present time, the fish-styled lamatins and dugongs, pigfish and sowfish, the coffins of Nantucket, <laughs> pigfish, <laughs> are included by many naturalists among the whales. But as these pigfish are a noisy, contemptible set mostly lurking in the mouths of rivers and feeding on wet hay, and especially as they do not spout, I deny their credentials as whales, and have presented them with their passports to quit the kingdom of cytology. (laughs) Excellent! You know what? Like, as rude and aggressive as he was unnecessarily being to our best friends, the manatees, dude was right. They are not whales. <laughs> correct, correct. So for those who don't know, so the, the the kingdom of cytology is, is what whales would belong to. Yeah. Right? And uh, he was kind of spot on. Yeah. Like, he didn't have to be that rude about it, but he was right. <laughs> He's like, hold on, let, let me let me check something. Uh, don't, no spout. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> the door is that way. <laughs> Whales that was, only. That was his criteria for being a whale. Was just put a little spout out there. That was his criteria. I, I like the descriptor of wet hay. Wet hay. Oh my! He didn't have to dunk so hard on manatees. Man, what a jerk! Be nice to our friends, the manatees. Well, I guess if he had the opposite opinion about manatees Moby Dick could have been very different (laughs) (laughs) it would also be much shorter (laughs) yeah because that boat would have taken out that manatee right then and there it's a rowboat or whatever but like (laughs) 
<laughs> go get them. Oh, uh, we, we caught them. Yeah, right. it wasn't hard. <laughs> These things don't go there, don't go very fast. We found them pretty much immediately. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, also, the manatee was uh, white and some other stuff. At the end. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, I I heard that manatees inspired early legends of mermaids. That, like, early records that were later interpreted as being mermaids were early descriptions of manatees. I can see that. Which, what was that um, taxonomy, uh, what was the order that you said they were again? Oh, one moment. Sirenia. There you go, siren. Like, siren, like a mermaid. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if it was the same type of manatee, because you said there were a lot of different types of manatees. Oh, there are three, um, and they're mostly distinguished by geography. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the the ones here and also in the Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico are the ones referred to as the West Indian manatees, uh, whereas the Amazonian manatee is, of course, an Amazon River. Sure. Whereas the West African manatee, I don't have anything more specific than West Africa for that one, I mean, unfortunately. I mean, I brought Chinese alligator to the table with <laughs> no further information, so clearly a passing mention it will suffice. <laughs> Well, I learned some interesting things about manatees today. Yeah, and I about alligators. I think I like manatees a little more now than <laughs> I did a few hours ago. <laughs> and I think alligators are super cool. Yeah, but yeah. T- turns out we got some neat little critters here yeah. in, in Florida. Our waters are just teeming with... Awesome. I, I had fun. Me too. Cool. So, if anyone's listening, thank you for uh, <laughs> tuning in. And this was our first go. This was our first take of our first episode, so... Hope to make more and learn how to make them better. Yeah, this is very much a, a fun learning project for us. I think we've been wanting to do something like this for a long time, so this is our first go at it. So hopefully, if uh, it sucked, then next one, the next one won't suck so bad. Yeah, here's hopefully. to not sucking. Yeah, let's try not to <laughs> suck so bad next time. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you.